0: Chapter Twenty of a Girl of High Adventure. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Annie Mars. A Girl of High Adventure by L. T. Meade Chapter Twenty A Conspiracy. Certainly, Madame la Princesse de Fleury kept her school with a sort of easy nonchalance which was much appreciated by the girls in especial these girls liked their half holidays when they could wander about pretty much as they pleased it is true that the boarders had to submit to a certain amount of restraint but as quite half the school were day girls They had only to say that they were going home to visit their dear relations absolutely to satisfy that very innocent Lady La Princesse. Now Louise lived at Arles, her father's restaurant was not far from the great school and not far away again from the mansion where Louise slept each night, and at times half holidays and such like enjoyed the pleasure of her friend's company. The day following that on which she met Mademoiselle Close and Mademoiselle Blanc, was a half-holiday, and as her father supplied her freely with cash, she had whispered to one or two companions of a fete, Ah, très ravisant, where certain of her dear friends could join her and eat chocolates and cakes to their heart's delight. But Louise did not dare lose this most precious half-holiday. She accordingly announced to her friends, Marcella and Bertha, that they must put off their time of ravissement until the next half-holiday, for behold, consider, she, Louise, had work of the most particular to do. It was urgent, it was immediate, it had to come at once, at once. The girls, of course, had to submit, and Louise, dressing herself as gracefully as she could, appeared at the Cabinet de Beauté, at the hour named. She was received at once by the two ladies, was shown into a private room, and while one manicured her fingernails and the other made her hair an arrangement the most perfect, she told her story. She said what she required. She also declared that when the deed was done, a rich, très rich, would be the reward. Mon père, he has much d'argent, said Louise, he will pay well. "'Now listen, Mademoiselle Blanc and Mademoiselle Close. "'You went as governettes to la petite comtesse.' "'Ah, oui, oui,' said the ladies, "'And badly, horribly were we treated. "'It was the doing of l'enfant. "'There is no doubt she is a snake in the grass.' "'I would say she was a lizard on a sunny wall,' said Louise. "'Ah, make me not shudder, Mademoiselle Grongin.' "'Now I want to tell you about La Petite Comtesse,' continued Louise. "'She is the daughter, it is true, of the late Comte-Henri Saint-Just, "'and her grandfather is now Comte-Saint-Just. "'She has, therefore, a right to her title of La Petite Comtesse. "'But behold, do you think she keeps to that which we desire? "'Ah, non, non, far from that. "'Would you suppose that La Petite Sold me this chapeau, for Louise was wearing the grass-green chapeau on purpose. No, no, exclaimed both ladies. It is perfect, assuredly. par la petite, she does not sell. To sell is to belong to us. We sell. Thy father, mademoiselle, he sells. par la petite, she belongs to the nobility. I hate them, pour moi. Still they exist. Now will you listen, mademoiselle Blanc? exclaimed Louise, "It is true what I tell you; it is true what I tell you both. Mademoiselle has a grand and also la belle grandmere employs her in her magasin, kept, it is supposed, by Madame Marcel, but really it flourishes because of the rare taste of la petite Comtesse Margot. She goes there daily for two hours a day, and behold! the chapeaux they vanish, the robes they disappear. The dainty ribbons and sashes and gloves, they are not. The embroidered stockings, they are not. The shoes, they are not. And all because of the taste of l'appartie. Think you that the établissement would flourish without l'appartie? Well now, Monsieur le Comte Saint-Just, he knows nothing of this. But I want you both to enlighten him. I have my reasons which I need not disclose. Will you both, chère mademoiselle, Dress as the youngest do, ah, so beautifully! Make the variety of the toilette, the change that pleases, that enchants. Wear a chapeau noir, Mademoiselle Blanc, garnished with roses, la reine, and you, Mademoiselle Close, wear la petite chapeau avec un plomb noir, de sons roses. Oh, la, la, you will both look but eighteen! Then go straight to see Monsieur le Comte Saint Just, wearing the touch of rouge. By the mere touch, and that turn of darkness under the eyes, which gives the expression, Son Saint Jean. You will know what to do. Do not allude to the fact that you came as Gauvernettes, alternate days to the little snake in the grass and the little green lizard basking in the sun. Speak to him as strangers. Have you got any friends whose names you could assume for the purpose? The ladies knew many of the noblesse. They could, ah oui, certainement, choose the names ah well go my good friends and fascinate the ancient comte he will admire he will adore he will be susceptible to the charms of beauty when you have won his confidence he will talk of your chapeau mademoiselle blanc and yours mademoiselle close and then you must raise the hands in rapture and talk and talk and talk and when you have roused his enthusiasm you must tell him that these things were chosen and sold to you by one Trechon, and très belle. Excite his interest. Tell him that there never was one with quite such taste as that Jean Petit. He will offer to go with you to see that young marvel. And behold, you will take him. You will go in my car and you will take him with you into the town and into the établissement. And he will see la Petite Comtesse. He will know for himself what his granddaughter does. The little green lizard will shine no longer in the sun. The little green snake in the grass must from henceforth conceal herself. And I, see, I will reward you both. How much? asked Mademoiselle Blanc, who felt considerably afraid of Monsieur le Comte. I will ask mon pere, I will tell him all. "'What do you say to being robed from head to foot by la petite comtesse in the Etis Blissement, Marcel? "'Think what a joy that will be, such a perfect reward. "'Then listen again. "'I know mothers and elder sisters of mademoiselles in my school. "'They shall come to you, oh, in numbers, to have their youth renewed. "'Is that not enough?' "'Mademoiselle Close and Mademoiselle Blanc thought that the terms were sufficient.' And arranged to go on the following morning to visit Monsieur le Comte. Meanwhile, Mademoiselle was to send them le chapeau revisant, admirable which they were to wear for the occasion. They must look truly jeunes demoiselles. Now then, I must go, but I will send the chapeau, rest assured. Louise departed, and Mademoiselle Blanc and Mademoiselle Close consulted together how they were to turn themselves into jeunes demoiselles. They had, it is true, many patrons and after consulting for a short time together they decided to adopt the names of two young ladies who had come to the Cabinet de Beauté to have their hands manicured and who belonged to the noblesse. These young ladies, they were assured, were absent from home at present. They might, with safety, take their names. They were the daughters of the Marquis Odile. They had only lately taken a house at Isles where they lived with their father and mother and were called the Marquise Clotilde and the Marquise Rose. Ah, exclaimed Mademoiselle Blanc, that name will suit my chapeau noir, garnished with roses à l'airaine. The Marquise Clotilde would look very sweet indeed in her très petit chapeau. The chapeau arrived all in good time. The ladies arranged themselves in fear and trembling, saw that they could appear with perfect ease as les Demoiselles, and went to bed that night with hearts beating high with excitement. Ah, the revenge was good, and the adventure of the whole thing was exciting. They scarcely slept that night for thinking of their triumph. Early the next morning, by the explicit directions of Louise, they attired themselves in dresses of pure white with little sashes of blue. The ravishing hats were perched on their heads. The slight touch of rouge was delicately applied to each faded cheek and then large veils were put on to cover any possible defects. They were naturally slight in figure. Sharp at ten in the morning, at the very hour when Louise told them it would be right for them to go, they started on their mission to the Chateau Saint-Just. Louise had sent one of her father's cars for them. This was to wait to bring them back again. Madame la Comtesse was always out at that hour. She was, in reality, occupied in the back premises of the établissement, for Madame Marcel was little better than a figurehead. The old comte was alone. He felt well and happy. The day was a mild one. He thought he would enjoy the outside air. He would even go in the direction of the peach garden. Suddenly, as he was approaching it, he raised his delicate old hand to protect his sunken dark eyes and to watch in surprise as an automobile which was coming quickly down the avenue. He wanted to fly, but a cheek sting was applied. The chauffeur stopped, a l'instant, and two pretty girls approached. The Marquise, Odile, connections of his, ah yes, assuredly, they introduced themselves. They talked, they chatted. One Marquise, the Marquise Clotilde, insisted on his taking her arm. The Marquise rose, walked at his other side. "'he forgot his peach garden in the pleasure of talking to them. "'He called them très douces et très belles. "'He had not the faintest suspicion that they were the withered and ugly governments "'whom he had turned away with scorn a little while ago. "'Ah, but I must call on your esteemed father, Marquise Clotilde. "'He is younger than I am, alas, but I will call, certainement, and for you, my belle Rose.' Let me see if I can give you something as ravishing out of my garden as those roses which you wear on your chapeau. Did you ever see a chapeau mort très belle? said Marquis Rose. It is of the most perfect, said the old Comte. There is a wondrous lady who sells these things, said Marquis Clotilde. She sells them at an établissement kept by a certain Madame Marcel. We buy our things there. We have reconstructed ourselves since we came to Arles, the young mademoiselle, si Jean et si Belle, does better for us than any of the Parisian magazines. I can scarcely believe that, said Le Comte. Will you not come with us, Monsieur Le Comte, and see for yourself? Our car waits your orders. The air is of the spring, reviving with its marvellous. Get in, Monsieur, get in. We will take you in a flash to the établissement, and you will see la belle partie with the taste so superb. Afterwards, we will go and visit Montpère. The old Comte felt in a good mood for adventure. The demoiselles were very charming, and he would like himself to see La Partie, who had the taste so rare and simple. Accordingly, he went so far as the house, leaning now on the arm of the Marquis Rose, but holding the hand of the Marquis Clotilde. He desired his valet to clothe him in his coat of fur and to place at his feet a hot bottle. The automobile was closed by his desire. The jeunes demoiselles nearly fainted with the heat, but their task would soon be over, their revenge would be complete, and their reward would be in their hands. They chatted all the way with the gay prattle of young birds. The very old Comte thought how delightful was youth. He was glad, very glad, to meet his own relations. At last they stopped at the établissement. The old Comte got out, and the Le marquise accompanied him. All seemed going well, of the best. The assistants bowed, the shopkeepers were ready to take these distinguished strangers to whatever department they pleased. The Comte felt his cheeks flush with eagerness. This was really a very gay adventure. He liked gay adventures, but at that moment there was standing just behind the Marquise and the Comte, La Petite Comtesse. She had gone herself to fetch a certain lace for a certain customer. One glance told her horror-stricken eyes, that mon grand-père Le Comte was in the Etablissement. Quickly, like a flash, she entered that part of the magasin which was kept for underclothing, and with which she had nothing to do. From there, she got into the back premises, where she beheld la belle grand "'Oh, hide me, hide me!' cried little Margot. "'I will tell thee what has occurred. "'The governance, so ignorant, are in the Etablissement with grand-père.' They are powdered and rouged and wearing a chapeau. They are pretending the youth. Ah, but if he knows, if he sees, it will break his heart. Fret not thyself, ma petite, said la belle grand Stay quietly with me. Thou wilt be asked for of necessity, but I will say that thou hast mal a la tête. But non, mon grand-père, cried little margot. Behold, it is not mal-a-la-tête. It is sorrow at the heart. Well, that suffices, mon enfant. The Comte, his cheeks growing pinker, his eyes brighter accompanied by those charming demoiselles, the young Marquise, asked everywhere for la patie, la patie, the lady who had the taste so ravishing. But although many were waiting for her, there was no sign of la patie. A message came at last to say that she was indisposed for that one morning and could not appear. The ladies felt a keen, unaccountable sense of disappointment. The old comte knew that the adventure was over, but he would occupy himself by buying a brooch of the very finest sapphires for his little Margot. The ladies' ordeal stood behind him. It was just at that moment that two very beautiful, dark young girls, accompanied by a stately gentleman in middle life, entered the établissement. The girls were tall, they were really very young. They had a glow of health, not rouge, on their cheeks. The eldest called herself Rose, the other was Clotilde. Suddenly the father of these fair young girls made a graceful plunge forward. It was rapid, and only a Frenchman could do it without awkwardness. He seized the hand of Monsieur le Comte. "Ah, behold! behold, mon ami!" he said, "what joy is here! I have come to get some pretty trifles for my daughters Rose and Clotilde. But I will present them first to thee, mon ami. I have heard wonderful stories of this établissement. We are anxious to see the little wonder, as she is called. Ah, we see her not, Clotilde. Make thy curtsy to Monsieur le Comte Saint Just. Rose, do thou likewise. But, but," said the astonished and amazed old comte. "But, but," mimicked the father of Rose and Clotilde. "I am the Marquis Odile, thy cousin and thy friend, mon ami." "'I am bewildered,' said the poor old Comte. "'All day Rose and Clotilde have been with me. "'They brought me here. "'I brought them charmants, but I see them not. "'What does all this mean?' "'The trembling, terrified ladies who kept the cabinet de beauté "'knew only too well what it all meant. "'The real Marquis and the real marquise had appeared in the flesh. "'As fast as their trembling legs could carry them, "'they reached the door.' They got into the automobile and drove to the Cabinet de Beauté. "'We have had a terrible escape,' M- mademoiselle Blanc. "'Never, never will I undertake such work again,' said mademoiselle close. Trembling, they got off their hats and appeared in their usual dress. The Marquis had brought the Comte back to his chateau in his own automobile. The young Marquis rose and Clotel made him lie down and petted him and talked to him as though they were his daughters. When La Prov grand entered, an hour or so later, she found her beloved one calm and easy in mind. It was only after Monsieur le Marquis and his beautiful young daughters had gone that he told her of his very great adventure. It was the biggest of all my life, he said. Two ladies, très belles and très gens. "'appeared and introduced themselves as mes cousins. "'Le Marquis Rose et Clotilde. "'Ah, but they were charmants. "'Then, behold, they spoke to me of a wonder, "'a très petit wonder, in the établissement of Madame Marcel. "'They asked me to go with them to see her, and I went. "'Ah, but thou, naughty one, thou adorable naughty one,' said la comtesse. "'But behold, listen,' continued the old man, I enjoyed myself, they were so gay, so young, so brilliant in the cheeks, so dainty in the chapeau. Then I arrived. They took me in their own car, but I could not see that Petit wonder who seems to rule the Etablissement, and suddenly behold, the real Marquis Odile appeared, with his beautiful daughters Rose and Clotilde. Ah, but it was an adventure, it was wonderful. ''Thinkest thou, madame, beloved, that the others were... were spirits?'' ''I looked to right, I looked to left, and nowhere could I see them after the Marquis appeared. ''Thinkest thou, they were spirits, madame la Comtesse?'' ''They were wicked women,'' said madame. ''They thought to take thee in, but they failed.'' ''Ah, but indeed they were not wicked,'' said monsieur le Comte. ''They looked young and elegant.'' How gently did the one who called herself Clotilde support my feeble steps, and how admirable were the manners of the one called Rose. I will amuse myself well this afternoon in telling the story of this queer adventure to La Petite Comtesse. Please thyself, Mon Alphonse, but now lie quietly and rest while I prepare the bouillon, which will nourish thee after those adventures which only ought to happen to the young. The entire story was repeated to Margot when she appeared on the scene, but the old man seemed now dull and drowsy and stupid. Perhaps he was too old for adventures, he could not say. As the evening advanced, he talked in the puzzled way of two marquises called Rose and two marquises called Clotilde, and of a little wonder in a certain établissement. He was decidedly feverish and Margot held his hand and soothed him as only she knew how. Oh, the wicked, wicked women, sobbed La belle Gramme after the doctor had come and gone, the wicked, wicked women to injure mon enfance When Margot had a minute of time to attend to La belle Gramme, she told her that the false Marquise were only her hideous gouvernantes, dressed up to look young, and that she herself meant to give them a piece of her mind, I mean to spend the entire night with grandpère, she said. Weep not, my belle grand He got a shock, and only I could keep him from being puzzled by the two names, the two names twice over. I will go to him, my belle grandmère. Yes, go, my blessed child, said the little madame. And she felt that moment that even the dot for Margot and her établissement was nothing compared to Mon Alphonse. Mon Alphonse, the adorable the love of her life. End of chapter 20 A Conspiracy Recording by Annie Mars